and welcome to the British English Podcast. What's that you say? First time listener? Ah, well, then let me explain. I teach non-native, intermediate to advanced learners about British culture and the British English language to help you better understand the Brits and help you feel confident in communicating with us. But if you have been here before, then I apologise for that explanation because you know all too well what this show is all about. Now, before we get into this episode on British wedding culture with a delightful guest who goes by the name of Lucy, most well known for her very impressive YouTube channel called English with Lucy, I want to let you know that season one of the British English Podcast Academy is complete. Hallelujah. That was a lot of work for me. What is the Academy, I hear you ask? Well, I've turned all of the season one episodes into fully interactive lessons. Why? Because I know that most of the language I expose my listeners to, sadly, they won't remember it tomorrow. So if you want to learn, memorize and then be able to use the language that I'm teaching you in these episodes, then sign up to my website and you can enjoy the fully interactive online academy. And you can also try a sample for free. So head over to the British English podcast.com. So season one finished and on with the show. Meeting Lucy from English with Lucy. Lucy, Lucy, Lucy. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you for having me on this podcast. It's very exciting. An absolute pleasure. Yes, of course. How are you doing today? What have you, what have you done this morning? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, this morning I got up quite early. Um, spent some time with Diego, my dog, who needed he needs a lot of attention each morning. Because if I stay in bed too long, he starts to wag his tail against a radiator. And all of the vibrations go up, all of the pipes of the house to the, vib- uh, the vibrator. Sorry. <laughs> to the radiator. <laughs> Let me just to start my that. vibrator. And he turns it on. <laughs> And that's the start of a good morning. And all of these vibrations go up the piping of the house until they reach the radiator that's behind the bed. And so we can hear the wags. So that's like our own personal alarm clock. Oh, wow. It's like a Mr. Bean scene. So he's actually downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't come upstairs. Oh. He, I don't know if he knows what he's doing. I'd like to think that he does. Uh, but he is a golden retriever breed of dog, so yeah. potentially not. Oh, are they meant to be stupid? I thought they were meant to be quite intelligent. They're quite goofy. I'd say that's a good ah, word to okay. describe them. Goofy. Very intelligent word. with some some things and very unintelligent with others. Much like myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so goofy being silly, kind of. Yeah, very silly. He chases his tail. Um He'll chase his tail, getting in smaller and smaller circles until finally he collapses on the floor like a donut. Um, but then he can just do like the most... You. Yeah, just like me. But he can do the most amazing tricks. He'll stand up on his hind legs. You can go bang and he'll fall down on the floor as if he's died. He's, he's very intelligent. Oh, wow. Okay, he can play dead. That's good. Yeah. Very good. Very useful. Yeah, play dead. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we are here today in this episode to um, to tuck into a bit of culture for you guys, and uh, we're going to do some 
British wedding culture, to be specific, Ooh. because、um, I felt like it was it was slightly relevant to Lucy. Do you think it is? Yes, definitely. Why is it relevant to you? Because I am engaged to be married to my fiance Will,、mm. and we were meant to get married on the twenty sixth of September this year. But now, due to coronavirus, we are we have postponed it till May, and then we'll、um, we'll work out what we're doing if if that's、yeah. going to go yeah, ahead or so not. Weddings are well and truly on your mind. Yes, definitely. Wait, much more than I'd want them to be. Actually, it's been quite stressful. I'd always said, you know, I don't、yeah. get what people are talking about. Why they always say that weddings are so stressful? I found it so easy、uh, to plan this wedding. And then I think it was karma punishing me for being so arrogant about planning a wedding so easily,、uh, and they said we're going to make this complicated for you. And so now, yeah, it's become yeah. quite a, a stressful thing. Remember, the native expressions that come up in today's episode will all be explained in a PDF that you can download for. To do so, look for the episode's webpage in the show notes on your podcast player, or search thebritishenglishpodcast.com forward slash bonus ep one. Ep being e p, short for episode. One more time, thebritishenglishpodcast.com forward slash bonus ep one, and enjoy the brilliant phrases that Lucy is exampling oh so naturally. All right, back to it. So we're going to do some、uh, British wedding、uh, questions. I'm going to ask you your opinion when we feel like it, but also I want to get the insight of a British person generally about British people and and British weddings. Because every time I speak to a student from a different culture, different country. They've got completely different traditions about this day. It's, yes, it's quite.、Uh, it's one full of different traditions. So the first question for you is, what is your attitude toward a religious marriage in a church versus a civil service? Interesting. So I am.、Mm. Um, we, I should say,、uh, I've got a terrible <laughs> habit of calling it my wedding instead of our wedding, which I know is awful.、Um, But I'm going to have to fight that throughout this podcast.、Um, we have chosen to have a religious service, even though we are not strictly religious.、Uh, it's part of our culture,、um, and it's what our families believe in. And so we're having our wedding in a church、uh, in the village I grew up in, and it's next to the school, my first ever school. It's opposite my parents' house, so it's a massively important part of of my world.、Um, I went to every Christmas celebration there, and lots of church meetings. We were never a really religious family, but we did participate because the church was like the pillar of village life.、Um, so I have chosen to have a religious ceremony, but I have I can completely understand why someone would want a civil ceremony. I do feel that、yeah. sometimes church ceremonies feel a lot more glamorous, feel a lot more like a celebration. Sometimes the civil ceremonies don't feel the same. But actually, I think it depends what you want to spend on the ceremony as well. There are so many lovely places. You could do it out in a nice location outdoors. That's what they do in Australia, actually. Yeah, I, I went to one and they they got married on by a river in 
like a really mountainous scene and it was it was lovely yeah and that was free <laughs> oh that sounds beautiful the only issue here is the weather we just cannot depend on the weather in the summer so i see in america yes. in the u.s and in spain and australia anywhere with dependable weather whether you can depend on you can have an outdoor ceremony uh, but here we always yeah. have to have a really solid plan b if we're doing anything outside very true very true yeah okay so i would i would guess that the average brit who's getting married these days in 20 well <laughs> 2018 maybe 2019 um they would have um i don't know would you say most people who choose a religious wedding are probably not practicing the religion as much anymore and they're more doing it because of the traditions like yourself yes. because of your family putting pressure on you <laughs> but really your use pe- you, you yourself or we generally in our generation don't necessarily feel that religious obviously there are religious people who do do it for that reason but would you say that's the majority? Definitely for, I think, Christianity, uh, which is what my family have always followed. I do think amongst young people, fewer and fewer people are, are, are practising. But we still like to do all the traditions mm. like Christmas and Easter and church weddings yeah. as well. So it's an interesting concept. Yeah. But then other, other religions are really growing amongst young people as well. So I... I think it depends. But yes, I would say that now a lot more people get have church weddings that don't actually practice the religion. All right. So I think that's a, a good um, yeah, answer to that one. So the next one, do you think uh, Brits feel it is important to get married before moving in with their partner? No, I don't think that we consider this to be important anymore. Um it's very interesting, isn't it, how different countries with, in some, some ways, such similar cultures can feel so differently about these, these ideas. Uh, here, mm. it's mostly highly recommended by your parents to test out living together before you make that commitment. Because I do think now that marriage is also seen as a big financial commitment as well. Because uh, you are essentially... Yeah, it's a partnership in, in everything, yeah. isn't and it? and you are pooling your assets unless you have some a, prenup, a prenuptial agreement. Uh, good vocab Ooh, yeah, there. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting one, but I, I would say that most... Now, in the UK, if we hear that somebody is getting married without having lived together beforehand, I think we would kind of think, oh, are you sure? You know, what if he's... Or what if she's mm. not quite what you expected? Mm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And what about having children? Um, with the same I think this question. is something that has changed a lot recently um, or over the years. Now, I don't think anyone blinks an eye at someone having children before marriage. Um, but I do think in a lot of people's plans, their own life plans, you have a certain order in which you'd like to do things. So for me, definitely... I, and I've spoken about this with Will, for us, uh, we definitely want to have children after marriage, engaged, married children. But it just doesn't work like that sometimes. Yeah, especially with, with the, the pandemic. It's, um, yeah, it's changing everything at the moment. I think we've got five lockdown babies coming in our group of friends. Oh, wow. All due in January. Wow. <laughs> Gosh. 
Okay, that's going to be an expensive month for you. Yeah, for it will be. Forever, from now on. <laughs> I know. Just what you need after Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next one. What age do you think men and women like to get married in the UK? Oh, that's, that's a big question because it does depend, doesn't it? But it does. I'll give some generalisations. I think it depends what you do after school. So if you play footy, no, if you, if you go to university after school, that is after finishing your school education, that's an extra three to four years um, of education on top of that. So maybe your settled life won't begin until you're 22 or 23. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then, you know, you want to get to know someone for that time. You need time to meet someone as well. So it just adds on a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you go straight into, into work um, after finishing school, then maybe you can settle down a little more quickly. That's at least what I've found with my school friends. Mm. Uh, those who didn't go to university seem to have matured a lot faster than those who have gone to university. Right. So they've just seemed to, they seem to have done everything more quickly. Yes. In the same order, but just... Sped it up, yeah. Yeah. Three-step plan. Move in, get get married, get pregnant. Yeah, but I'm I'm 26, and that's still considered young for marriage in the UK. I think you're as an older fart as me. How offensive is that? (laughs) I think that's probably because we started YouTube around the same time. But yeah, you're 26. I'm going to buy some face cream. (laughs) Yeah, I'm 26. I know. Um definitely starting to see the signs of aging now um but yes um people are always surprised at my age I definitely think I probably look a bit older than I am and also I don't know you always expect your teacher to be older yeah maybe maybe but I think it's something to do with your your um YouTube career I think that's sometimes hard to believe that you started so young yeah remember that this episode, just like every single other episode on this show, comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode, along with definitions made for you, a non-native learner. I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheets or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. Um, okay, uh, just quickly, like other cultures, they have this like uh, association with... Once you get to a certain age, you should be married, which is pretty negative, I am aware. But do we have that? And where would you feel like it starts to play a role in the UK for girls, particularly? You could talk about girls, Uh, I could talk about guys, maybe. I definitely have heard of this in other cultures being something that's really, really intense. Mm. Um, It definitely exists in the UK. Uh, I think it's a lot of personal pressure as well that people put themselves under because we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. We're in the age of social media. We can see everyone's wedding photos, everyone's baby pics. Um, and definitely settling down and finding someone. I mean, the window of your life where you are probably going to meet someone and then get married, that's a very small window, isn't it? You know, from it's the age true. of maybe 18 to, I don't know, 30 that's 12 years. Um, mm. And maybe if you go to uni, it's even shorter than that. I don't know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, women definitely feel the pressure. I know that if I weren't engaged right now, I would probably 
be starting to think, oh, I really, I really want to find someone I want to spend my life with because I'm terrible at being alone as well. Uh, I lived alone for a year and I just absolutely hated it. Okay. I went insane. Right. Um, did, yeah, I, I'm not to be trusted alone. <laughs> And <laughs> we won't go there. Okay. Yeah, I ended up having like an Aperol spritz at lunch some days just because you know there's okay. nothing else to do. Okay. Well, as long as it's an alcoholic addiction, that's that's okay. No, we right. nipped that in the bud. That was fine. Okay. Uh, it never turned into a problem, but I did just think, you know, I I could do anything, and no one's watching. Um, <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. So my friend is 31, and she is starting to feel the pressure but I think personally that that's a little bit um well I, ju- I just don't want that to be a thing as much but you, f- no. you feel like it is for you your age at 26 I mean I think I would be starting to think about it um we cannot ignore that women have the pressure of a body clock no uh, and people talk about it all the time it's always in the media and there are scientific studies shoved down our throats that, you know, eggs are declining or something like that. I saw some awful politician post something about Taylor Swift the other day, like, gosh, you should really think about children. She's got, you know, 10% of her eggs left or something, and we just don't need that pressure. No. Um, but also, if, if children are in your, in your vision of an ideal life, you have got to think about finding someone but then there are lots of options as well if you haven't found someone I know someone in my village that I used to live in that didn't have a partner but that didn't stop her from having a child okay yeah yeah totally and uh, I know someone who is seriously considering freezing their eggs that's a big thing now yeah yeah uh, that's another really big topic Um, a lot of women are doing it Uh, I think it's an expensive and uncomfortable process. But if it gives you that peace of mind and, you know, there's a couple of extra years to develop in your, uh, to advance in your career without feeling a pressure and and to look for someone without settling as well. It's it's awful that people are feeling this pressure. I feel very lucky to have found Will um, and to be so happy with him uh, because I would definitely be feeling the pressure if I, if I hadn't. Yeah. Okay. Well, talking about Will, uh, the next one, um, this is a apparently a tradition in the UK, but maybe it's outdated. I'd like to hear from you. Ooh. Apparently, the groom, who is the, the male part of the wedding, um, if you remember that there are two people in the wedding, uh, the groom... What, my wedding? Yeah, your wedding, your wedding. <laughs> the, the groom apparently treats the bride to a complete surprise destination and organises everything when it comes to the honeymoon? That is not something we did or are doing. Um, I mean, we're a very modern couple. Um, I think, I don't think Will would be cross for me, with me for saying that I definitely run the finances in our relationship. I've always been somebody that's really into tracking spending. Um, I also run a business where he is employed. Um, so I definitely have been hot on that. And the honeymoon budget and what we could and couldn't do was definitely coming from me Uh, but we decided together I think for Will it would have been strange because I run the the finances in the in the relationship yeah I think he would feel really weird coming in and then okay and then it would have felt it would have felt really strange giving him a budget as well that feels really nasty 
I don't know. We just, we plan everything together. Yeah, um, I see. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I, I think it would also take a lot of joy away from the experience uh, for Stacey, my partner, if I, if I organised everything. She loves to choose where to go. Oh, yeah. And if I got it wrong, that would be stressful. We've loved planning our honeymoon and um, there's so much involved in just looking forward to it and talking about it together. Yeah. I think a surprise would have taken a lot of pleasure out of that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So a modern couple probably doesn't do this, this tradition. What about the fact that guests can be invited to different parts of the wedding? Oh, yeah. I know that in other English speaking cultures, we can do that as well. Uh, but do you want to tell me what that means? Yeah. What, what goes on in a wedding and, and whether you invite them to one part or not? So I'll use our would have been wedding as an example, because obviously we're in different times at the moment with coronavirus. Yes. And you probably wouldn't want to be inviting lots of different guests to join in and stuff. You probably now have a small group of people that are going to be attending all parts of a wedding. Mm. But for the wedding that we had originally planned, we had invited around 200 day guests and then an additional 300 evening guests. <gasps> a big one, I know. No, not an additional 300, an additional 100. <laughs> Bloody hell, the whole of Cambridge coming to your wedding. No, an additional 100. So it would have been 300 total. Still, that is a big wedding. I I would say the average uh, guest list is about 100, maybe, maybe 150. And then... So we're farmers. Farming families are massive. You've got to invite all the neighbouring farmers as well. That's a big thing here. All the cousins of cousins. And also our, our friendship group, we, we're part of the Young Farmers Club. That's there how Will and I met. I know. <laughs> and um, I just couldn't not invite all of them. No. I, I've grown up no. with them. Yeah. Yeah. Snogged every single one of them at the barn. Some of them. <laughs> oh, oh that, that actually brings me on to literally the next one. Uh, inviting exes that you are on good terms with to the wedding. Um, I definitely wouldn't invite my ex to our wedding. Um, I think it'd be awkward for Will and awkward for him. Um, even though I am on, you know, speaking terms with him, catch up with him every now and again, just to see if he's doing okay. Um, but I do see a couple of weddings where exes, especially in our young farmers group, um, a lot of people have, it's a very tight knit group. That's a good way Uh, of saying it. And because we've grown up together, you know, going to parties together since we were 14, I mean, there are going to be people that you've crossed paths with. I didn't actually go out with many of them. That's, so a, that's a, a lovely kind of indirect phrase, though. Cross paths with. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know what happened. I just crossed paths with him. <laughs> um, yeah, it would, be, it would be very difficult to find, to create a guest list of people that... You'd never, ever kiss at the age of 14 in a barn. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do see it happening a fair bit. Um, I think it's lovely when people can have good relationships with their, with their ex-partners as well, because it's such an important part of the life. So maybe you've got children from a previous relationship. I think it's very important for the children that they can yeah. see their parents being adults about things, if possible. Well, we have run out of time for today's episode, so we will leave it there. If you wanted to continue listening to part two and three, 
and use the manually edited transcripts for this episode, then you can head over to the BritishEnglishPodcast.com forward slash bonus ep1 to find out how. And while you are on that webpage, don't forget to pick up the free PDF worksheet that I have made for you, which defines a bunch of intermediate to advanced English expressions in this episode for you to learn from and keep hold of to reference when needed. Now, I wanted to tell you that Lucy has just finished her very own pronunciation course, which looks rather marvellous. So if you would like to improve your pronunciation with Lucy, then check out her course, which is again in the show notes, or you can simply search epiphanylanguagestudios.com. That is epiphanylanguagestudios.com. Oh, and Lucy has kindly offered you, as a listener of the British English Podcast, a discount to her pronunciation course, which gives you 15% off. And you can get that by using the code BEP15 at checkout. That is BEP, as in B-E-P, British English Podcast. You see what we've done there? BEP15 at checkout. Now, most of you probably couldn't care less how I organise these episodes. But for the anally retentive folk, which in my opinion is a hilarious Freudian phrase, meaning you are overly obsessed with the details and specifics of things, this episode is not part of season one, nor season two. Hmm, where does that leave us? Well, this is an interlude episode, or to simplify it, a bonus episode. Why? Yes, why? Why, Charlie? Why have you done this? Because each episode in a season has academy content, meaning I make an interactive lesson worth about two weeks of study time and it takes ages to make. Plus, I've been getting feedback from you guys informing me that you'd like some shorter episodes as well. So now that I have completed season one, which has eight episodes in, I have decided to make bonus episodes and bite-sized episodes alongside the usual episodes that will be part of season two of the Academy. Make sense? Probably not. But we'll get used to it because you are a human and humans are great at adapting, aren't they? So well done for being a human. That's it from me. Get out of here, you. See you next time on the British English Podcast.